Yeah, I just think it's actually amazing being able to, to watch an animal like that go at such a speed. Um, but it's also something that happens so quickly. So you're in awe for about 10 seconds and then it's over. Um, but no, it's just, it's absolutely incredible. But it's the whole hunt. not just the speed at which cheetahs can hunt, but it's also, you know, them observing their surroundings, then picking out an individual that um, they want to go for, the, the stalking that happens beforehand, um, and then just this, like, burst of energy as they go after their prey. You know, you can just see all these different muscle groups working and just the coordination. I mean, to run at that speed across a landscape that isn't even. I mean, there's like bushes everywhere, there's holes everywhere, there's just... And then still to well, mostly be successful, I think it's really quite incredible. And I think it just shows you how these, these species have, have evolved in quite a unique way. Even until the middle of the 20th century, gaunt, spotted cheetahs zipped across India's rustling grasslands. But this feline fetal hacked open an ugly facet in humans. The dawn of India's independence in 1947, synchronized with the sunset for cheetahs gutted out of India by game-seeking hunters. But a wildlife experiment hopes to dot India once again with cheetahs. In the coming months, a dozen spotted predators are likely to reach India from Africa after 50 hours of travels on rattling trucks and stomach-churning flights. India is poised to become a one-of-a-kind residence for four big cats, lions, tigers, leopards, and cheetahs. But does this project deserve a yes or a no? Let's figure out by trapezing through a meshwork of opinions in Newsreel Asia's podcast series, Will the Cheetah Change Its Spots? In early 2020, the Indian Supreme Court struck the gavel to okay the revival of cheetahs in the country's pastoral heartland. When uh, a subspecies or a race is lost, the closest relative is important for the reintroduction. So we don't have the Asiatic cheetah available to us for a reintroduction. So the best option is to bring in the same species from Africa. Yadvendra Dev Vikram Singh Jhala is spearheading this complex project. For years, he and other Indian ecologists had been in touch with cheetah conservators like Vincent van der Merwe in South Africa and Laurie Marker in Namibia. Finally, last year, the Apex Court unshackled this breakthrough experiment and a route map 
was sketched. We want to have a source which gives us sufficient number of animals, um, maybe about 25 to 40 individuals, uh, which are genetically diverse, disease-free, uh, capable of hunting and uh, on their own and surviving in the wild, while not being extremely skittish of humans so that they can be managed. Uh, so we are looking at a source uh, in Namibia and in Southern Africa and South Africa. The docile speedsters had evolved in the treeless, vast open prairie grasslands of North America. They shared the same ancestor as the puma. A non-roaring, stealthy, purring, big cat native to America. The cheetah then sashayed into Asia, Europe and Africa through land ridges sculpted by frozen seas. But with the end of the last ice age, a warm, disease-ridden environment descended. The spread of hunting humans further shrunk mammalian populations. The many subspecies of cheetahs whittled to just two variants, the African cheetah and the smaller, nimbler Asiatic cheetah. Today, less than 50 Asiatic cheetahs exist only in Iran. It is impossible to consider their translocation anywhere. A majority of the wild cheetahs, about 7,500 of them, are now in the African continent, with only South Africa gloating of a growing population of wild cheetahs. But that achievement is largely due to an unnatural measure. Fences. There is no wildlife in South Africa outside of fences. So there's a clear-cut zonation wildlife area within fences and human beings outside the fences with livestock. South Africa is the only country in the world where leaping impalas, roaring lions, purring cheetahs and cackling hyenas wander in fenced grasslands. It's a kind of a dystopian reality, a choreography orchestrated to axe wild animal attacks on livestock and deter trigger-happy folks fringing these sanctuaries. Worldwide, edges of forests are unfettered to allow animals to migrate if needed. Barricades can curb natural impulses of animals in search of territories, mates, water sources, or prey. The idea is that if there are any humans around, they should learn to coexist with nature. So um, it, it's a very different scenario that we're going to be working in in India. Most of your protected areas are not fenced, including the first reintroduction site, which we Kuno National Park. Uh, it's been very interesting for me as a South African conservationist to see your protected areas. Most of them are not fenced, but to see that India is somehow miraculously managing to sustain your wildlife population despite the lack of fencing. The self-proclaimed cheetah matchmaker believes in a happily ever after for cheetahs relocating to India. Vincent's faith in this transcontinental marriage of a vulnerable species with an ecosystem stems from the presence of over a million hectares of lush tropical grasslands in the South Asian nation. Translation, a perfect home base for at least 200 cheetahs. But it's a gut-wrenching trail of circuitous bends and hairpin swerves to the summit. They are very flimsy animals uh, when it comes to relocation. We lose uh, roughly 15% of the cheetahs that we relocate. 
the unfortunate reality is that we will possibly lose one or two cats in that relocation, especially with such a long distance relocation. So we could lose even up to four animals. The cheetah that we're bringing, they've never been in a box before. They've never been in a boma before. A boma is an enclosure that is normally used to kettle livestock. En route to any destination, the cheetahs will board a tight-fitting crate to prevent them from bouncing around in the vehicle. But this contraption comes with the risks of overheating, pneumonia and other stresses that could slay the cheetah's health. So we're taking them out of the wild, sticking them into a 1.2 meter by 0.5 meter metal box and relocating them 50 hours to India. It's going to be an incredibly stressful uh, experience for them. It's a stretch of endless hurdles. Cheetah surviving the flight to India will go on to face the turbulence of a completely new environment in Kuno. Leopards, for instance, abound in Kuno, and leopard attacks cause many cheetah fatalities in Africa. Feral dogs are another bitter ingredient in this woeful soup. As far as I am concerned, you have to find a place without tigers or leopards, and you have to find a place where there are no domestic dogs. That's ecologist Ullas Karant. India has about 60 million free-ranging dogs, the fourth largest population in the world. Several roam forests in packs or sniff around its boundaries. They pose a giant risk of infections to a fledgling cheetah population. But none of this seems to detract supporters of this project. So, if even if some cheetahs do not make it or do not survive in India, there is nothing lost. These are all rescued cheetahs and they do not know what to do with these cheetahs. In the sun-drenched shrublands and savannas of Namibia, the tough and juicy meat of swift-running impala antelopes forced cheetahs into lightning pursuits. But in drought years rife with sandstorms, Desperate cheetahs prey on cattle and sheep domesticated by humans. Organizations like the Cheetah Conservation Fund or CCF are trying hard to reduce human-cheetah conflict. For instance, they have donated Turkish shepherd dogs to Namibian farmers. The pups grow with herds of cows or sheep and bark away at cheetahs. Still, some cheetahs continue to attack livestock. To help such felines dart the bullet, CCF relocates them to fenced ranches. The white farmers' livestock is attacked by these cheetahs and they are allowed to troop them there. An experiment like this, will something go wrong? I will say yes, it is possible something will go wrong. But what have you lost in the process? These are surplus animals. I found this to be a strange logic. Shouldn't you feel sorrowful about the prospect of losing the very animals you are trying to protect? I assumed it must be nerve-wracking for folks trying to grip a toehold of this cheetah translocation tightrope. No. No, I'm not nervous about it. There will be some fatalities because um, cheetah are delicate animals. They will be captured from game branches, which is semi-wild conditions or wild conditions. Large tracks they are. So they will be put into confinement in South Africa. 
in fact uh, the first cheetah has already been captured and put in confinement uh, within a small area so that they can be then monitored for health and all the checkups and all that which is required before they are translocated to India. Permissions from South African authorities are yet to come in, but on the ground, the clapperboard has been struck. Sorry, I did actually put it in. Vincent and his team have scoured 62 South African reserves to find cheetahs that could be sent to India. has consciously looked for residents of hard reserves where the cheetahs are toughies, familiar with leopards, wild dogs, hyenas and lions. We've selected these cheetah because we've, we've been to Kuno and we've seen that it is a high predatory density environment. So we've selected cheetah from hard reserves but cheetah that know tourist vehicles. We want these cheetahs to bring tourists to your reserves. These wild animals can only persist in these areas if they pay for themselves. We are not inherently capitalistic, but we've realized that if, if it pays, it stays. When I checked back with Vincent a few weeks ago, he mentioned that nine cheetahs had been chased, darted, sedated and captured. They remained corralled with a few impalas in a small fenced reserve close to the seaside town of Durban in the east coast of South Africa. Cheetahs often use specific trees as scratch posts and a kind of a headquarters, pooping at its base, spending the night on its branches. Vincent's team set up cages at the base of such trees in such a way that the cheetah has to wriggle through the trap to spider up the tree. Sorry, I did actually put it in. To further bait the cheetahs, they spray the cage with a perfume that American scientists have found to be irresistible to cheetah nostrils. We've selected um, a quite an interesting group of cheetahs. Uh, it includes a very young coalition of three males. They come from a very high predator density reserve. You can drive up to them to within 15 meters. They, they don't mind tourism vehicles. Then we have a big male cheetah. His name is uh, Taba, which means mountain in Sutu. Yeah, he's a big guy. There we go. Safely delivered. We caught him on farmland and uh, he was relocated into our protected areas. He weighs about 63 kilograms, which is very big for a cheetah. He's about seven, eight years old, whereas the other three uh, uh, young cheetah, they're about 16 months, only about 35, 36 kilograms. So then we also have the two females that we're going to be relocating to India. And uh, this female is called Susie, and she has a young daughter with her. These two females are incredibly wild. And then over time, we will bring in more unrelated genetics from South Africa. 
Like the first eight wolves in Yellowstone, Susie and her daughter, Taba, the alpha male, and the coalition of two young brothers could kickstart a new era for these spotted cats in India's tropical grasslands. We are looking at a 5-5-5 year installments and in the first 5 years we are hoping to bring in about 30 to 40 individuals and establishing three populations in India. and these populations can then multiply um to whatever areas found suitable and made ready for these animals so that will entail um meta population management essentially meta population management is a loaded term and for good reason uh when we imagine wildlife we usually do think about a part of nature that does go on by itself without us intervening too much to manage so i am uh, dr arjun gopalaswamy i am a wildlife and statistical ecologist in unfenced reserves wanderlusting cheetahs follow migrating prey This results in a natural shuffling of cheetah populations ensuring genetic diversity. But there's always the threat of farmers shooting cheetahs who prefer a pursuit free straight off the boma livestock meal. Enter fenced sanctuaries. These barricaded landscapes keep cheetahs in the savannas competing with leopards, lions and wild dogs for antelopes and gazelles. while steering them clear of humans left to humans there have been uh, there have been a lot of encroachments so at some point you want to cordon off certain places but the financial cost of such manipulation is massive the operation itself seems straight out of a hollywood action flick Videos of a cheetah captured by Vincent show a pack of ecologists, helicopter pilots, and veterinarians. Launching the cheetah. And we've got uh, two cheetahs so far. Uh, two sub-adults. The chopper is going to go out now and capture one more sub-adult and the adult female. And then we uh, captured. Uh, After darting a sedative into the sprinting cheetah from a helicopter, the scientists have 40 minutes to approach it, plug a collar on it, and run some tests before boxing it for transportation. The satellite collars that help researchers monitor the location of cheetahs come at about 3000 US dollars a piece. Uh you will need to bring in cheetahs from somewhere and you need to manage the genetics you will need to manage the demographics this is a sort of innate problem with most fenced reserves the indian government will not have to shell out any money for the capture of the cheetahs or their transport to india that on a private jet could cost as much as 300000 us dollars But then on the ground first in Kuno and subsequently in other sanctuaries the cheetahs will have to be collared and monitored as the population grows they will have to be moved to other reserves
Um, so yes, yeah, it's very, very expensive, and that's obviously one of our concerns in India. Is um, they're going to realize that to, to manage these animals is exceptionally expensive, but the tourism revenue derived from them, uh, you know, definitely does does make up for those management costs. The other issue is even more basic. Does India have a home fit to meet the free roaming lifestyle of cheetahs? Leopards generally have quite small home ranges of about, say, 80 to 100 square k's. I'm Femke Bukas. And my research is mostly focused on cheetahs, specifically in Botswana and in Kenya. I'm currently an assistant professor at the Wildlife, Ecology and Conservation Group at the Wageningen University in the Netherlands. You heard Femke at the start of the podcast painting a stunning picture of speeding cheetahs. Um, lions as well, about say 200 square k's. Um, whereas cheetahs, together with um, wild dogs, actually, they have these massive, massive ranges, which could be, I guess, in search of, of mates, it could be in search of food, it could be to avoid competition within, kind of, between cheetahs, other cheetahs, or with other predators. With home ranges upward of 800 square kilometers, Cheetahs need nearly four times the space needed by lions. Kuno has an area of 758 square kilometers. Opponents to this project complain of Indian forest officials squeezing 14 cheetahs in a territory that can just about host one. Femke explains with a story. There's one female cheetah that I've been following she had this um, young cub and this cub left at the age of about 14-15 months which is extremely young for for a cheetah cub to leave and the reason for that was probably because the mom was pregnant again we assumed that this cub had actually died and then about two years later this cub now like a fully-fledged adult, reappeared in our study area. We had no idea where she was for those two years. And so this is one of the things with, with cheetahs especially. So they're wide-ranging carnivores and their home ranges can be up to about 1,500 square k's. Around Kuno, in central India, residents of villages wedged in the gentle slopes of the Vindhya Mountains are getting familiar with their prospective neighbours. During a recent festival, the Forest Department of the Central Indian State of Madhya Pradesh, where Kuno is located, distributed cheetah amulets or rakhis to locals like Ramlal and Sultan. Posters of a fictional character called Mintu, narrating the story of a cheetah called Chintu, are glued to walls of some village homes. In one comic strip, Mintu educates his grandmother about 
the cheetah, telling her, The spotted cat is a gentle sprinter who won't harm any villager. The question is whether humans are also unlikely to harm the cheetahs. Will the children and grandchildren of Susie and Taba flourish in central Indian meadows or will they perish? Will its introduction in the subcontinent succeed in sheltering a vulnerable species or will the experiment go up in smoke? What we've learned in South Africa is the only way to, 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 to wrap your head around a cheetah management is to make mistakes. And we know that mistakes will be made in India. But hopefully the authorities, they will learn from these mistakes like we learned from our mistakes from 50 years of cheetah reintroductions in South Africa. And uh, yes, we can only hope that um, we'll have success.